The beauty of baseball, as bad as things are going, there's another one tomorrow. Well, today's an off day, so tomorrow, literally, literally tomorrow, but there's time. There is time. I'm not going to hit the panic button yet. There's a lot to talk about. I know you're mad. Take a seat on the couch. Let's talk it out. This is Lockdown Brewers. You are Locked On Brewers, your daily Milwaukee Brewers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good morning. It's Monday, July the 11th. I'm Dominic Catronio. This is Locked On Brewers, your only daily podcast dedicated to the brew crew all season long. If you haven't already, go ahead and hit that subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts. We are free and available everywhere, including YouTube. Today's episode is brought to you by the Sports Card Investor app. You're going to love this. Welcome to the world of trading cards reimagined. Stay tuned later on the show to find more information of an awesome new tool for collectors or just a regular old hobbyist. You're going to want to check out the Sports Card Investor app. I'm the statistician of Valley Sports Wisconsin. My name is Dominic Catronio. So, they're all weekend. They're the whole homestand. I saw it on Twitter. I saw the frustrations. Understand the Brewers have a 10-game stretch against these Pirates and the Cubs. And they went 4-6 and six against them. There's a lot of panic setting in. There's a lot of worry. But here's the best part. Look at the standings right now. We are approaching scoreboard watching season. Look at the standings right now. Two and a half games up on the Cardinals. Look, it could be worse. It could absolutely be worse. Am I saying things are perfect? No, not one bit. Are there areas for improvement? Maybe. Is a trade going to fix that? I'm not sure. We've spent the last week talking about trades, trying to vitalize this offense. I, I don't know where it comes in. So we're going to talk about the runners in scoring position. We're going to talk about the weekend as, as a whole. Also, we've got to talk about all-star stuff. But I'm going to start with just kind of calming everybody down right now. You're only three games off the pace that you set last year, okay? You're only three games off. You're 48-39 and 39 right now. Brewers fall yesterday. They lose the series to the Pirates. Last season, through 87 games, they were 51-36, and 36, so three games off. Then, heading into the All-Star break, they got cold. They lost two out of three in New York, including a blown save by Josh Hader in that one. And they lost three out of four to Cincinnati with a couple of bad Josh Hader outings in that one, too. It is almost an exact mirror image to last year heading into the All-Star break. And the second half is something that, under Craig Council, the Brewers have thrived in. Let's go back to 2018, the start of this great run for the Brewers. 2018, the Brewers, since then, in the second half, have the sixth best second half record in all of baseball. 607 is their winning percentage. Now... To be fair, St. Louis is just ahead of them. 133 and 81, that's a 621 winning percentage. The Brewers are 122 and 83. When I hear that, and I remind you of what I said in the opening week, this this division is coming down to the final week. Yes, it would have been nice for the Brewers to pull away, you know, maybe build a four or five game lead heading into the All-Star break. That just didn't happen. But as bad as you've played offensively, you still have the lead in the division. There's no need to hit the panic button. And the other reason I tweeted this this week, talking about the Cardinals. So they're playing tonight. They're playing a wraparound series with the Phillies. But they're playing tonight. They had been shut out 
in back-to-back games. They had been shut out in four of seven games going back to Saturday. So offenses disappear. This happens. I've talked about it before. Hitting is contagious in both facets. Look at the 19-run outburst. That's a positive case of hitting is contagious. Since then, the Brewers have only scored 28 runs in the eight games. Not great, but another example of hitting is contagious when it's poor or when it's positive. Cardinals, with that lineup, with all of those boppers, Arenado, Goldschmidt, Gorman, Edmund, Pujols, that lineup goes cold too. And the Brewers lineup is going cold right now. The catch, and this is where I feel the Brewers have the slight edge. You can say that the Brewers are going to get better just by natural addition from injuries. I don't think you can say the same for the Cardinals. Now, this is not accounting for trades or anything like that. The Cardinals' offense, their lineup, it is what it is. Harrison Bader is out right now. Okay, Brewers kind of have, have Tyrone Taylor out. Eh. Have Hunter Renfro out. Eh. This lineup is pretty much what it is right now for the Brewers. You're getting Hunter Renfro back, obviously, but this is pretty much who they are. But pitching-wise, Freddie Peralta is coming back. Adrian Hauser is due back. I know you're looking at the numbers of Adrian Hauser, but he eats innings. And as we've seen in the last two weeks, having somebody that can consistently get you six innings will ease some stress on this bullpen, aside, of course, from getting some runs, too. And if you want to blame this loss on the bullpen, I'm just going to blame it on the lack of getting ahead early. They had opportunities again against Jose Quintana. Situational hitting fails, and we're going to talk about this in the second segment. But... Trevor got, yes, he gets the loss. Gives up two home runs. One of them was a port shot on the right field. If the roof's closed, that ball doesn't get out. And then O'Neill Cruz cranks one on a rare changeup from Trevor Gott. That was a mistake. I don't think Trevor Gott wanted to throw a changeup to O'Neill Cruz. I think what he saw was the swings and misses that Cruz was having against Woodruff on Saturday against the changeup. Thought, hey, I can get cute. I can throw a changeup here. And it wasn't a good one. And Cruz hits it out. And I don't blame it on Chi-Chi either in the ninth inning giving up the home run to Daniel Vogelback. I question, you know, bringing in Gonzalez to face Hayes, who's already had three hits in that game. Gonzalez not exactly a high-leverage reliever by trade. My, My one question of what I would want it answered from yesterday's game and how the bullpen was handled. When the inning was extended against Suter in the ninth inning, no runs had scored yet. It was still a one-run game, and you have Daniel Vogelback lurking on deck with a runner on second and two outs. Left on left is lurking on deck. Council opted to go for the righty, Chi-Chi, to face Hayes, trying to avoid the lefty Vogelback. I, I, I just question, maybe it would have worked out if you intentionally walked Hayes to keep the left on left with Vogel back. And if you're saying, oh, well, then Derek Shelton would have just pinch hit. All of his bench was lefties. So that wasn't even an opportunity for Derek Shelton. Shoot, Derek Shelton even could have pinch hit Hayes, which he wouldn't have done, could have if it was some another right-handed hitter for a lefty in that spot. But Council knew that he wasn't going to take the, the young phenom Hayes out given the great game that he had. So that was my one question of how it handled. I don't blame Chi-Chi. Vogelback, we've seen it, right? We've seen it the last year. He goes down and get it. He loves a low ball. He doesn't swing. He makes you pitch to him. He wants his pitch. And he got it. And he made the Brewers pay. 
Okay, let's get into a game recap. Let's get into a weekend recap. Some overall thought. I've just got three little bullets on each game of what we learned and some positives and negatives from each one. Before we do that, I want to tell you about a product that I've started using myself. It's AG1, Athletic Greens. I need a little more energy. I've told you about my triple headers on the mailbag episode this week. Uh, you know, got to get up in the morning, grab my coffee, grab my water, grab my AG1. It is such an easy micro habit to get going for you to get all of the high quality vitamins, minerals, whole foods, source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens. There's 75 of them in just one scoop into a glass of water to start your day. It's a special blend of ingredients that can help you vitalize your immune system, your energy, your recovery, your focus, even your aging. All of the things can be helped with AG1. It's so easy and it's cheap. It's less than $3 a day. So much cheaper than grabbing coffee every single morning or grabbing a, a bagel every single morning. You're investing in an all-in-one nutritional insurance. Athletic Greens was created when the founder was experiencing gut health issues. I tell you what, I feel pretty cleared up now. It ended up being on a complicated regimen of supplements. It was like $100 a day for the founder. And then he realized, well, what if I just create this drink? Make it a little easier on myself. It is an easy micro habit to start that can easily be brought into your day. No GMOs, no nasty chemicals, less than a gram of sugar. It's keto, it's paleo, it's vegan, it's dairy-free, gluten-free, everything. AG1. They want to help you try it for free. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you got to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash MLB network. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash MLB network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Okay, get comfortable on the couch. Let's talk about the weekend now. The weekend started out great. Friday, Apple TV game. If you missed it, you might have saw the highlights after the fact, and this is not going to be talking about the Apple TV broadcast or anything like that. I'm just talking about the game. So Brewers win 4-3 to on Friday. Let's talk about some bullets. Aaron Ashby, good to see him back. Good to see him working the count, working ahead of hitters as well. He only gave up two runs, and it was on one swing on, quite frankly, it wasn't a bad pitch from Aaron Ashby, giving up the two-run homer by Diego Castillo in the left center field. Barely got out of the yard, but it got out nonetheless. Ashby goes five innings, three hits, two runs both earned, two walks, three strikeouts. He was on a pitch count, 72 total pitches. What I liked from Ashby, we saw a lot of fastballs. We saw a lot more change-ups too. He did face a good handful of righties in this order uh, on Friday. But he was not afraid to use some chase pitches finally. He was getting some whiffs. He was getting ahead of hitters. Yes, he had two walks, but he was okay with getting ground balls, which when Ashby's good and he's getting these ground balls and he's getting weak contact against him, he doesn't need to rely on having swing and miss type stuff. And we saw him get back on track. Uh, I wonder in his next start, because he is going to start against San Francisco, in his next start, how long will he go? Will he go 80 to 90 pitches, hopefully? Try to see get a little more length out of him. But again, this taxed bullpen, yes, they had the off day on Thursday. This whole weekend, every single game was close. So they had to use the A arms yet again. The bullpen, getting to Hader, was nearly perfect. Great job by everybody involved. Milner and Gott got things to Williams in the eighth inning. Williams allowed a walk and a single, but that was all. Got a strikeout. And then Hader. Let's talk about that ninth inning real quick. Wow, what a weird slump for Hader right now. He's now allowed runs in four of his last seven games. But just as I said in the first segment, this is exactly what happened last season too. And then he figured it out for the second half. So closers go through these ruts. 
while in April and May, we're saying, hey, what Josh Hader's doing right now is not normal. He's getting more strikeouts than base runners allowed. This is not normal. This is a little more normal. Not saying that he's lost his title as best closer in baseball. Just saying that to be automatic and to be, look, there's film on everybody. When you see a guy enough, when you get a little more comfortable, when you're you know, here in July, as opposed to seeing Josh Hader in April, fresh out of a shortened spring training, I think the bats are going to be starting to catch up, which is what we're seeing right now. I'm not worried about Hader, but another weird ninth inning. It just it was a slow build, and then Daniel Vogelback, that dang guy again, <laughs> that big man, one at bat, two and two pitch, down to their final strike, just dumps one into right center field, and then the relay happened. McCutcheon throws to the double cut. There were runners on the corners, and with a two-run lead for the Brewers, there were runners on the corners. Dumps one into right center field. Run scores from third. Kevin Newman was the man on first. He goes from first to third. We're thinking, cool. It's going to be runners on the corners again. Two outs with a tying run 90 feet away. My goodness. But they decided to send him. They sent Newman. The ball was already in Willie Adamas' glove when he was rounding third base. And he was just as shocked as you to see it, reading Adam McCalvey's recap and seeing the, the footage from the clubhouse. Like, I don't know. I just threw it. I didn't expect him to be going. It was crazy. What a good throw, though, by Willie to make sure, didn't panic, threw a strike straight to home. No one took it for granted. Narvaez was ready and waiting to, waiting to put the tag on. And it was a well-executed relay. No one took it for granted. There was no, I mean, McCutcheon throw was a little high, but he hit his cutoff, man which is the most important thing. Adamas wasn't expecting to make a throw, but when he was asked to make one, he got the job done. Another reminder that his defense is probably the most underrated aspect of his game and what he's brought to these Brewers. One more Willie note as it leads us into game two as well. So Brewers win 4-3 on Friday. One more Willie note. Over the weekend, he hit 162 games played as a Brewer. Okay, here are his numbers in those 162 games. One full season, technically, with the Brewers. A 254 batting average, a 332 on base, a 498 slugging, 37 home runs, 104 RBIs, 38 doubles. Out of your shortstop. That's incredible. That is in great, great numbers out of your shortstop. He leads all shortstops since he was acquired by the Brewers in home runs hit. 37 of them. He hit a clutch one to give some insurance in the seventh inning of this game on Friday. So, Willie, a full season with the Brewers. Now it's going to Saturday. A 4-3 loss for the crew. Three things I want to take away from this one. Brandon Woodruff was rolling. He was back. He was fine. Did allow a couple walks toward the end of it. I mean, he had a no-hitter going into the fifth inning. But for the seventh inning, unravel on everybody fast. You saw the Pirates make a distinct change in approach three consecutive first pitch swings against Brandon Woodruff, and it chased him from the game. They realized he was throwing strikes, no bother sitting here waiting for him to get strike one. You see a strike, swing at it, and the Pirates made the adjustment. So they get a run quickly in that seventh inning, and it just unravels. Four-run score, highlighted by the Ben Gamble two-run homer to put them out in front, and that was what the final score was, four to three. Ben Gamble, he had two homers against the Brewers last season. That was his first one this year. I guess he's still mad. I don't know. But the Brad Boxberger, I'm sure this is going to be changed. It's currently an error. It's got to be an error on Yelich. The fly ball to left that Yelich caught, there were nobody tagged. And the throw home, I mean, no one's running. There's no need to rush this throw. This throw. 
And Yelich's throw was offline, bouncing. Boxberger was the only one there having to try to be the cutoff man because both Urias and Adamas had to go out to try to field this pop-up, this shallow pop. And Yelich hurries the throw. is a bad throw. Boxberger can't knock it down. Again, nobody's running. And it gets by the catcher. That's when you knew, oh my goodness, what is going wrong? And you saw the left field arm show its ugly face again in Sunday's game because it was a big moment in the second inning yesterday. Remember those three little weak hits allowed by Eric Lauer to get the first run scored for the Pirates? Well, the, th- the second one, O'Neill Cruz knows the arm of Keston Hira in left field. He goes first to third on a base hit to left field, knowing Brewers don't have an arm in left field. This could show its head. This could show its head again coming up when games get really tight. So I wonder, when does Craig Council consider defensive replacements in left field? I don't know how serious this will have, especially with Yelich out there. Do you Bruce's ego that much to say, we need to make sure we have a decent arm out there in left? Let's say, hypothetically, if Tyrone Taylor is starting a game in center field, do you go ahead and put Jonathan Davis in left field knowing or put Tyrone to left and Jonathan in the center? I could see that happening. If assuming McCutcheon is the DH for this given game and Renfro is in right field, I could see that happening where Kutch becomes the defensive liability. I wonder how that will work out. But the arms in left field are getting exposed, and that's something that scouting reports are going to notice. Finally, uh, Brewers in game two, from final note from game two, Brewers had a runner in every inning except for eight and nine. They had traffic against Jake Thompson the whole game, but they couldn't get the big hit. You've heard that a million times, but they're getting traffic, just not getting it home, which is why I believe they can figure it out. It's not like everybody is going 0 for 5, 0 for 4. It's just that they're going 0 for 1 with a runner in scoring position. Literally everybody in the order hasn't been able to get it done with a runner in scoring position. Finally, game three yesterday, not going to spend a lot of time on this, 8-6 to six loss, Lauer, the big key with him, he only goes five innings, but it's because he threw 76 pitches in the first three innings. Tough work for him. But then only 26 pitches for the final two frames. He pitched okay. I, I think his line doesn't tell you the whole story. Didn't give up a lot of loud contact. The zoom ball was zooming. Uh, he got another handful of strikeouts in this game too. I'm encouraged from what I've seen uh, as of late from Eric Lauer. Of course, that great start against the Cubs this past week. And he picks up where he left off, getting seven more strikeouts, only one walk, and then a poorly timed pass ball, which you could argue was a big reason why the Brewers were trailing for the majority of this game. The, the pass ball from Severino allowed the unearned run to score in that third inning. Every little mistake has been magnified in this past week because the Brewers, there's something about them that they played down to their competition in a way, but they also play up to their competition, if you get what I'm saying. You know, you're going to get some inexplicable... Watch, the Brewers are going to, like, sweep the Red Sox or something coming up in the second half, right? You're, you're going to be sitting here, like, oh, my gosh, they went 4-6 and six against the Pirates and the Cubs. And they're going to inexplicably, oh, yeah, no, we're, going to, we're about to win 9 out of 10 against three playoff teams. I, I wouldn't be surprised. They haven't played their best baseball yet. It's coming. I believe it's coming. And if you want to say, oh, no, their offense isn't going to happen. The offense is getting guys on. They're just not getting the hits. It's They're still getting homers. It's just not the sustainable offense like we've talked about. 
when you get the hit, the floodgates will open. I truly, truly, truly believe that. Let's wrap things up. Let's get on a positive note to get you on with the rest of your Monday. Before we do that, I want to tell you about our presenting sponsor today, the Sports Card Investor app. If you haven't heard about this, if you're just a casual card collector or if you're all in as a side hustle, this is something that you need to have in your phone. It's completely free. You can browse over 630,000 cards from every sport. Hundreds more are added every single week. You can check the latest values of your favorite cards with a 7-day and a 30-day chart. And you can find the best price and buy directly in the app, the Sports Card Investor app, with the eBay Deals feature. They've got breakout stars. They've got prospects on there as well. Look, Julio Rodriguez just named to his first All-Star team. I hope you got a Julio Rodriguez rookie card laying around somewhere. Ali Rutschman, maybe. Jeremy Pena with the Astros. And it's not just baseball. You can go beyond that. If you've got a football card, if you've got an old basketball card, you can see the value of that one that's just sitting there gathering dust in your closet. Like, huh, I wonder what this old, oh, wow, this is a... 1997 Michael Jordan? Oh, that's, that should be worth something, right? You can go check it out right now at the Sports Card Investor app. Totally free. You can download it on the Google Play or Apple App Store. Go to sportscardinvestor.com slash locked on. Final segment is a mini soapbox. All-star. Let's talk about it. First and foremost, big congratulations to Corbin Burns and Josh Hader. They are named All-Star Reserves coming up next week in Los Angeles. Very, very well-deserved. Josh Hader becomes the first reliever in Brewers history to be named to multiple All-Star games, breaking a tie that he had with Dan Plezak, who made it to three All-Star games. For Corbin Burns, he makes it to -to back-to-back All-Star games, uh, also joining Brandon Woodruff as far as pitchers in Brewers history that have made it to -to back-to-back All-Star games. Also joins... Ben Sheets as the only starting pitchers in franchise history to make multiple All-Star games. But you may notice a certain omission. Devin Williams was not named an All-Star reserve. There are a few reasons to this, but let's also not totally lose our minds yet because there's still a very good chance with the rearrangement of guys, oh, I don't want to pitch in the All-Star game, I would like to have somebody else replace me, something like that, where you then get named. Remember last year, Omar Narvaez was added when Buster Posey was injured. Freddie Peralta was added when another pitcher went down. So you can still earn the honor, even though you weren't in the initial announcement. You're probably on the radar. Devin has to be on the radar. There are two reasons why I think he wasn't added. First and foremost... He's not a closer. It is so hard for relievers that are not closers to make it to the All-Star game. And I know what you're thinking. Dom, there are non-closer relievers on this All-Star game, on this All-Star roster. I'll explain that in a second. It's just because you're not at the forefront of the casual fan. I would have thought the airbending changeup would have put him at the forefront with Pitching Ninja watching every single game and everybody knowing it's the best pitch in baseball. I mean, I want to see I want to see a top of the eighth inning with... Devin Williams pitching with his changeup. And then I want to see a bottom of the eighth inning with Clay Holmes throwing his nasty sinkers. I want to see that. That'd be awesome. But as of now, we're not going to see it. The second reason you don't see Devin Williams named to the all-star roster is because every single team has to have a representative. And for some teams, their representative is in the bullpen. Pirates, they're that team. David Bednar, their only representative to the all-star game 
is a reliever. He's a closer. Arizona Diamondbacks. I believe Josh Rojas should have been named an all-star personally, but I digress. Joe Mantiply is their only all-star. He's a setup man. So there was another guy. You're like, well, wait, how's he next? Well, then my question, and you can look at the head-to-head stats. They're pretty close. Why is Ryan Helsley getting the benefit of the doubt and not Devin Williams? Ryan Helsley's not a closer. He throws hard. He throws multiple innings. He's got great numbers. I get it. But as far as value to the team goes and the value to the rest of the National League, you can't tell me Ryan Helsley is that much more important than Devin Williams. You're lying to yourself if you believe that. I believe Devin is slightly, they're close, slightly more elevated. Maybe I'm biased because I watch him every day. When you look at the numbers, Helsley's thrown 37 innings. Williams has only thrown 32 and two-thirds. But yet, in four fewer innings, Williams has one more strikeout, so a better strikeout per nine rate. He has allowed a 1.93 ERA versus Helsley having a sub one, so Helsley has the lead there. But Williams leads baseball with 21 holds. Helsley has five. He has six saves, three blown saves. And when Hader was asked to cl- or when Williams was asked to close in response with Hader being gone, Williams has gone five for five in saves. So you can't even say, oh, it's because he's got, you know, he's done a good job as a closer. He's blown three saves. He only has one more save than the guy who's five for five, who's, oh, pitching ahead of the best closer of this generation. Why does Devin get hurt by that? That's my soapbox over. But I hope Devin will be added to the reserves. I believe he will. But I, I just truly believe he deserved to be on that initial announcement. You know, like a no doubt this dude is an all-star because he has pitched like it this season. All right, little rant over. I uh, wanted to get that off my chest. Look, let's let's have a heart-to-heart here real quick, okay? Yes, you're allowed to be mad. You're allowed to be frustrated. You're allowed to be worried about the offense. I'm here sitting here saying you still have time. And I know you may be frustrated by me saying that. You still have 75 more games. Do you realize how many games 75 games is? That is so much time. And let's be honest, the ones that really matter are the seven head-to-head with those St. Louis Cardinals. This is coming down to the wire. This Buckle up, man, because coming up after the All-Star break, it will be officially scoreboard-watching season and everybody's favorite, hug-watch season. Trades, trades are certainly going to be in the air, but again, as I've said multiple times in the last week, and I'll reiterate again, I don't believe a singular bat is going to fix all of the Brewers' problems offensively. It is going to be a collective runners in scoring position, get the guy over. And it's not that easy. I mean, shoot, if you want to look at Rowdy Telez's at-bat today, runner on second after the leadoff double in the sixth, uh, if you want to look at that with Caratini on second, oh, Rowdy, just pull the ball. Just Every single pitch was soft and away. It is so hard to pull that pitch. It's the big leagues. They know what you're trying to do. It's not like you snap your fingers and you're able to do situational hitting. Look at Mike Brasso. Saw the situation that he had there in the third inning. Oh, they're shifting on me? I'm just going to poke it the other way. You got to pitch over the outer half, base it the other way, and gets a run in. Doesn't always marry the pitch to the situation, but hopefully in the future, the Brewers can find that pitch and attack that pitch and make sure they get it done. 
I felt for Andrew McCutcheon. How about that 12-pitch battle that ends in a strikeout? You feel like all that was wasted. All that for that? Really? Well, the Brewers then the next three, next three guys all contributed. A double, an RBI single, and then a sack fly. It just takes one. It happens in the blink of an eye to get some contagious offense going. I'm not going to worry yet. 75 games to go, and enjoy this off day today. The Brewers are in Minnesota tomorrow. We'll talk more about that series tomorrow in preview. We're also going to just talk a a bigger landscape of uh, baseball coming up tomorrow. But a quick thing, if you're listening, if you made it this far, uh, thank you to everybody who's listened, first and foremost. You may have seen a tweet yesterday from our good friend, Brian Anderson, friend of the pod, of course, uh, tweeted that I was doing this from the airport. And yeah, I did try to record it from the airport. So if you're watching on YouTube, you can see I'm not in my normal backdrop. I'm currently in St. Louis as we had a flight delay yesterday. And I thought, well, shoot, I'm, we're here for TBS. So might as well knock it out at the airport. And well, there was flight calls in my speaker, like coming right in. There was a little kid running around right next to me. Like, you know what? I gave it 10 minutes. Yeah, I'm just going to sit back and relax and get everything else ready. So we got it done. Thanks to everybody who liked that tweet and had some fun with it. But yeah, I did try to record this podcast from the airport. We decided to wait and do it in St. Louis. And yes, I'm in St. Louis, behind enemy lines. Ooh. Okay, that's it. That's it for this episode. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Right back here tomorrow, same time, same place, your first listen in the morning. My name is Domina Catronio. Follow the show account at Lockdown Brewers or myself at Dom underscore Catronio. Until then, keep on swinging. You are Locked On Brewers, your daily Milwaukee Brewers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.